And so what we're, what we're doing, uh, and I just want to encourage you um, as we're going through this series, I, this would be a great time to go ahead and bring your Bible and, and have it right in your lap while we go through uh, this message. Because we're going to be just going through verse by verse and talking through each piece of this. And we will have verses up on the screen, but I also know, just if you're like me at all, uh, once you read the Bible for a while, you actually kind of just get to know your own, uh, and you kind of know where stuff is. And so this would be a chance really for you to be able to, to peer in and get stuff down, maybe even write little notes on this for you to remember some stuff. But what I want to do uh, to start off our day today is just uh, read the passage. I just want to read 2 Corinthians, uh, we're going through 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going starting in verse 12, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 2, verse 4, all right? So uh, let's go ahead and let's, let's jump in here. And uh, actually, let's, let's pray uh, before, before I open this. Anybody else have a rough morning this morning? Anybody? Okay. All right. A few of you? Good. I, I did too. Um, I was way too short with my kids. Um, you know, driving in, it's, it's, it's great when you walk in and you're driving in and you're just going, man, I just stunk, you know, as a, as a dad. And so I would love uh, as maybe just to, just to pray for all of us and just ask God to come in here this morning and, and just meet us. And so that when we walk out of here, maybe we can be a little different than the way we walked in. Anybody want that? Oh, yeah. All right. That's good. Let's pray for that. Father, thank you that your mercies are new every morning because we need them. And we thank you uh, for the beautiful sunshine outside and the warmth of this day. Uh, I thank you for everybody who's here today. And God, we also really thank you uh, for your word to us. We thank you that you haven't left us alone to try to figure out life and to figure out who you are and to figure out what we're doing. And so I I just pray that you might this morning... Uh, meet each one of us with no matter what we walked in with today, that we might walk out of here with you today. Uh, You say that we can actually be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I just believe in what we're going to talk about today, that some of us here just need to hear this today, and other of us are going to need this to pack it away for a a, a day, maybe tomorrow, or maybe later today. We don't know. But I just ask that you're for your blessing on this morning, that you would speak to each person individually and meet us here. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. Verse 12. Paul says, this is our boast, which kind of means this is our confidence. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We've done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. For we don't write you anything you can't read or understand. And I hope that as you understand us, in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast or have confidence of us in us, just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. One of the things, you guys, it's amazing to me when you, when you go through 2 Corinthians, you're going to find that Paul's relationship with this church, uh, his heart was just connected to these people. And they meant everything to him. And you're going to see this passion come out in him. And even so now, he's just saying, man, I, I, I want you to have confidence in me, and I want to have confidence of you, and I'm sure of that. And that's what he goes on to say. He goes, because I am confident of this. And so I plan to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I plan to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Now, the problem was, Paul planned this, and he told him, I'm going to do this. I'm going to visit you once, and then I'm going to head to Macedonia, and then I'm going to come back, and on my way, I'll stop and see you again. And what happened was he didn't show up. So Paul kind of made a commitment to them, and he didn't follow through. 
And this was a big issue coming up, and we'll explain this later. But he says, when I planned this, though, did I do it lightly? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. In other words, even though things didn't go exactly how you wanted with me, Maybe things didn't happen right with me. I can tell you this. In Christ and in God, the one who's faithful, everything is yes. It's never back and forth. It's never a question. So, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, he set his seal of ownership on us, and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness. So again, Paul, now, now he's getting like, he goes, okay, I know I need to defend myself for the actions I took and all that kind of stuff, but I'm, I, I've actually got God as my witness. If, so, so we're good here, just follow me. That it was in order to spare you that I didn't return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith that you stand firm. So, I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who's left to make me glad but you whom I've grieved? I wrote as I did so that when I came, I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. See, he just so wants to be close to these guys. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. So, I'm sure that all of us at some point have experienced this, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is how can we keep living and keep a solid foundation in the midst of when things don't go the way that we want them to? Because there's a whole lot of uncertainty in this world, all right? But um, before, we, before I jump in and, and teach through this passage and dive into it, um, one of the, again, Paul's passion is that the Corinthian church would just, would, they would love each other and, and that he could be a part of that community and they could just be uh, as tight as possible, which is our word, to be tight. So what I'd love to do here, just for a minute, if we could uh, just go ahead and actually not just kind of do the token little, hey, how are you? But would you just take a minute or two and really greet one another? My Bible's too heavy. The word is very weighty. He's taking my stand down. That's, that could be a good illustration someday, huh? All right, maybe we'll just put that right there. All right, you guys. So obviously in our earthly lives, there, there's so much that's uncertain. Uh, I mean, the, the weather is uncertain. <laughs> Excuse me. The, uh, the, I always tell people to wear, uh, have umbrellas if you're going to sit in the front row. Uh, you know, the economy is totally uncertain. Um, flight schedules are uncertain. Uh, you know, you, you have all these plans. And th- one of uh, the greatest stories for Susan and I was, man, I don't know, probably about four years ago, we were invited by some friends from K2 to come over to Basel, Switzerland with Eric and Paula Winter uh, to meet up with a church planner who was over there to see if we could connect with them and kind of just help them and maybe even eventually partner with them. So, I mean, I was so geeked. I was fried at that time in my life. And I, I remember feeling like, oh, this will be unbelievable. I couldn't wait. I didn't even care about Basel. 
was like, just get my head on the back of the airplane, <laughs> you know, just to get me away from my the chaos of my world. And so we pull up uh, uh, and get into the uh, airport, put up, uh, go up to the uh, attendant behind the counter there. Uh, and I sat there and, and Susie gives her passport and it was still in her maiden name. And uh, we're like, oh, you're kidding me. And so we call up the, the gal who's watching our kids and said, hey, grab our marriage certificate because it'll, you know, that's what we've actually done that a couple times before. So uh, we're sitting there with this guy and he was fantastic and he was working with us. And Bonnie showed up with our kids and came in and she had our, uh, our wedding certificate and uh, wedding lesson license. And uh, the guy looked at us and he finally just said, he said, you know what, that used to work, but after 9-11, it doesn't work anymore. And he was phenomenal. This guy worked for us for over an hour to try to figure out if there was a way he could do it. And finally, he just looked at us and he said, I'm so sorry, you guys, you can't go. And I'll never forget watching Eric and Paula walk away and just waving at them and going, you're kidding me. I mean, you have this unbelievable plan laid out that you, you're just the rest you need, the friendship, the vision, the mission, and, it's, and, it's, and it doesn't happen. I mean, it, it's, it's horrible when that stuff happens. Now, total side note on that, we went six months later, and that's when we met Christian and Sandrine and Kokerscheidt. Is that not cool? See, God, somebody told me once that whatever you see God doing, he's always doing way more than what you can see. We were supposed to go then. We would have never met the campus pastor for this campus right now if our plans had happened the way that we wanted them to happen. <laughs> and so life is uncertain all the time. Our health is uncertain. You can't depend on that. Safety. How many of you have ever been in a car accident? Okay. I mean, isn't it? I mean, it's wild. And were you planning on that that day? You know, I mean, it's just today's the day I think I'll get in a car accident. No, I, I, I just, I remember getting broadsided coming right off the I-80 exit at my exit 1300 East and pulling out and some guy running right through the red light and smashing me and your day is completely changed. And even life itself is uncertain. I, I sat there um, and I, I thought about, I go, what is certain? What is certain? I came up with three things. Sun's going to rise. Pretty sure. <laughs> I'm not just going to start floating right now. Right? I think gravity's pretty certain. And we're all going to die. Those are the things I came up with. I mean, seriously, guys, there is so much in our life that is uncertain. But the one thing that's very uncertain is our interactions with other human beings. Because people are uncertain. It's just the way it is. And in this passage, there are two things, uh, illustrations of this that I want to bring out for you. The first one is the Corinthians had a clear expectation that Paul was going to come to them. And then he did. They had a certain plan and it got thwarted. The second thing is, which was right at the end there, the passage, and I'll, we'll dive into it here in a minute. But Paul also knew that he wasn't going to make another, as he said, painful visit to them. But what he did do is he wrote a painful letter to them. Many times it's called the severe letter. And what Paul, Paul's uncertainty was, he didn't know when he wrote that letter how people were going to respond to it. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So the first thing is this. The actions of people are not guaranteed. The actions of people are not guaranteed. So you got to put yourself in place of these Corinthians to understand this. And really, you guys, the, I, I feel like maybe today's message is going to lay a lot of foundation for the rest of the passage and the things that, that we hear and that we, we talk about. The, you got, uh, they're a new church, okay? And, and they're a new faith. 
See, like at least when we planted K2 the church, we were a new church. We were in a pretty solid faith. Christianity, Christianity had been around for a couple thousand years. People got it. They understood it. Back then, they didn't really know for sure. It was a brand new thing. And Paul is their church planner. He's their apostle. He is the one who brought them the word, who taught it to them, and he was the man who held everything together. Now, what was happening at this time is Paul had some opponents who were creeping into Corinth. And they were people who were actually teaching a different gospel, a different message than he was teaching. And they were trying to discredit Paul as being an appropriate, trustworthy apostle. Okay? So this is what was going on. So things are really rocky right here, right now. He doesn't show up, and it rocks their faith. So first of all, it's like, man, Paul, you're our man. (laughs) And then you tell us you're actually going to come, and then you don't show up. And so all of a sudden, what was happening here is not only was was it their relationship getting rocky, but their own faith was starting to get rocky because the one that they were putting it on was Paul and his teachings. The opponents were saying, so you can't trust this guy. So it was getting to be a pretty, pretty big mess in Corinth. Now, so what Paul does is he defends himself. And he says, now hold on a second, you guys. Let me, let me just share a couple things with you here. And in verse 12, he says, now this is our boast or our confidence. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you in the holiness and the sincerity that are from God. One of the things Paul was saying was, hey, before you totally discredit me, remember me, look at my life. How have I been with you this whole time? Now, what he said there is he goes, I didn't conduct my life in a worldly manner. And really what he meant by that was this. In a worldly manner is is someone can say yes when it's convenient, but then they can say no if a better opportunity arises, right? And what happens is really this is predictable behavior of anyone who doesn't say no to their own selfish desires, So in other words, a worldly way is a way that says, hey, listen, I'm about me and I'm I'm about what's best for me. And so if it's convenient for me, I'll say yes. Oh, but if it got a little bit better, I'll say no. And Paul's saying, wait, you guys, I don't operate in that way. You you know me. And ultimately he goes, because you know Jesus never operates that way. Jesus is never about himself. I've conducted my manner of life in a manner that's that's not worldly, but it's been of God's grace to you. I don't do that. So one of the things we need to check in ourselves, you guys, is do we actually conduct ourselves in a worldly manner? Do we say yes because it's best for what we think? And then if something better comes up, do we say no and not really stick with the commitment that we've made? You know, it, whatever's best for us. See, the Spirit of God changes that, and that's what Paul, what Paul was trying to say. Now, this whole, Susie and I were talking, she goes, this, this yes, yes, no, no stuff, if you, you know, when you look at this passage, it can be kind of confusing. Basically, it was, it was an oath. It was a, an oath that the Jewish, in a Jewish tradition that they would say because they, did ne- they never wanted to make or, uh, uh, like an oath or swear by the name of God. That was God, Yahweh, meant so much to them, they would never swear by God to do something. Do you guys ever do that as, as kids? This is so funny. Um, me and my brothers and sisters, you know, you get in arguments like my kids this morning. You get in arguments and you're messing with each other and you're struggling with each other. And, and then somebody tells you something and you go, is that true? And they say, yes. And they, we go, really? And they go, yes. And then we would pull the trump card and we go, honest to God. <laughs> and seriously, in our family, if someone said honest to God, you go, oh, 
You got me. It was like it had more power with it. You know, I can totally lie to you unless you tell me honest to God. And now I have to be actually be honest. Well, that was kind of how it was in the Jewish tradition. And so they came up with this new way to make sure that you would know that I'm telling you the truth. And they would say, my yes is my yes or my no is my no. And it just, it, it helped people to know that they were actually being, they, they could guarantee what they were saying. So, and here's what Paul was ultimately saying to you guys. Yes, my plans changed. My plans changed. But my intentions didn't. My intentions never changed. I wanted to visit you because it would be the best thing for you. But then what he realized was, as he sat and he thought about it, he goes, but you know what? That first visit was so painful. He goes, I think if I come back right now, it would actually do more damage. My intention is to always build you up and not to tear you down. So I was going to go to Macedonia. I, went, I, I mean, I saw you on the way to Macedonia. I was going to come back and see you, but you know what? It would have been too painful. So even though I said no and I changed my plans, I never changed my heart for you. And again, sometimes that can be our experience with people where they change plans, but maybe their intentions were the same. So here's the issue, you guys. We're all going to be let down by somebody. Sometimes their intentions are going to be right. Sometimes they are not going to be right because people are uncertain. And here's the danger that I want you to think about as we go through today. Um, The danger is putting people on a pedestal. Putting people on a pedestal. And you know what's so interesting? I thought about this this morning. That didn't, didn't hit me till this morning. Is sometimes you put yourself on the pedestal. And you look at certain people and you go, you know what? You can never fall. You can never fail. I need you to be everything because if you fall, I might fall. <laughs> because if you fail, then my faith might fail. And, and sometimes you put yourself up there. <laughs> And you go, man, you better not screw up because if you screw up, you look in the mirror and you're, you put so much pressure on yourself to be so much that you can't be that then if you actually do fall or do fail, you fall apart. And you guys, well, this, is what, this is the part of the message today is not only are other people around you uncertain, are you uncertain? I, I, I'm telling you, look in the mirror lately. I mean, it is really hard to be a person who can always come through every single time. And so there's a real danger on this because when people fail, the question for you is, does that mean you're going to fail too? Because somebody else did? If somebody else fell, does that mean you're going to fall? Now, especially when it comes to your faith. When it comes to your faith in God, this was critical for Paul with these Corinthians. He goes, now hold on a second. Now I'm your guy and I'm, I'm being as faithful. I want to share with my intentions with you. But listen, and we're going to get to this later in the message. There's something greater here, you guys. But Paul knew something. This was affecting their faith, the fact that he didn't come through and show up. And so I, I, I can think of a conversation I had just recently with someone uh, who, when they were uh, a teenager, they, they had a youth pastor. And this youth pastor meant the world to them. And um, in fact, they were, they were having an amazing spiritual journey and ride to the point where they were thinking maybe even that someday that they would put their fa- they would become in full-time ministry. And, and then uh, later on, the guy moved. And when the guy tried to contact him, the other person never responded back to him. 
And, and, and I don't know if that was the key issue, but that totally rocked their faith. The fact that that guy didn't call him back. See, this, this kind of stuff can happen. And, and it does happen. And, and I remember, too, uh, hearing a story one time where a guy was talking to somebody on the airplane and they were talking about Jesus Christ and they were talking about Christianity and they were talking about what the truth was about him. And then the guy he was talking to said, yeah, well, the church, though, when they do... And the guy goes, whoa, 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 whoa. He goes, oh, you want to talk about the church? <laughs> he goes, that's a totally different topic. <laughs> who Jesus is and who the church is. Man, I'm telling you, yes, we're the body of Christ and we're supposed to do our best to exemplify him, but we are a tarnished group of people, are we not? And so, who's your faith in? Who's your faith in? Because everybody around you is going to be uncertain at some point, including yourself. And we're going to need something a little bit more solid. And that's the first point right there. The actions of people are not guaranteed. Here's the second one. The reactions of people are not guaranteed. The reactions of people are not guaranteed. So here's what's going on. I don't know, again, if you could tell from that passage, but Paul loved these guys. In fact, I mean, it's it's crazy to me. Actually, when I read this last year, uh, going through this passage, I was shocked, actually, at how much he loves these guys. In in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote you so that I would come. I should not be distressed by those who ought to make me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would also share my joy. See, I I was shocked at this, that Paul's own joy and his own happiness, his own fullness was connected to that church. So, but here's what's happening, you guys. If you read 1 Corinthians, one of the things you find out, the reason Paul had to make a painful visit is because the church was really struggling. I, they were, they were, there was a lot of behavior in the church that wasn't godly, and it wasn't right. Some pretty intense stuff, actually. And so Paul had to come in, and he, you now he didn't make the second visit, but what did he do? He goes, but I, I, I need to write you, and I need to tell you. And, and people are saying this was a severe letter. Paul knew that when he wrote this letter, that was going to affect the Corinthians. But what he didn't know was how they would react. Now, if your own joy is tied up in another person's joy, and you think, if I write this letter, they're going to fall into deep sorrow. I don't know if they're going to sever the relationship. I don't know if they're going to end this thing. Can you just start to understand where Paul was struggling a little bit? He goes, do I write the letter or don't I? Now, can I ask you, When have you found yourself in a position where you knew what the right thing was to do, but what you didn't know was if you did it, how everybody would respond? Anybody ever been there before? Okay. In our Continue the Conversation group last week, we actually got into this a little bit, and a a guy called it analysis paralysis. (laughs) You ever been there? This has been one of the biggest lessons for me since I've been at K2 is I usually want to make a decision, and I love to think out. I think we all do this. We think out long-term, thinking, if I do this, this is what's going to happen, and this is what I want to happen, so I'll try to make the decisions, right, so that it gets to that end. Isn't that how you guys do it? I mean, isn't that why we make this? And, And then, all of a sudden, you realize, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can make that happen. 
And so what do you do in those moments? Because what is that? You guys, you know what it is? It's uncertainty. Every time you make a decision, it's uncertain of what the person is going to do that you're going to affect with that decision. And I tell you, sometimes I have gotten frozen and can't make it. And that is never good. (laughs) It's never good. And then sometimes, aren't we tempted as well to not make the decision? Because we feel like, oh, it might be too painful, even though we know it's the right thing to do. I'm telling you, the reactions of people not being guaranteed is something all of us deal with all the time. And, and it's huge for us. Now, I, and actually, you know what? Some of you are sitting there, and it's not a big deal for you. Uh, there are some people, you just, I don't care. You just make the right decision, and, you know? And, it, and you just bowl through. And then there's some of you that are sitting here like, man, that is me. And I'm just actually, I'm encouraged that it was Paul. Because <laughs> I feel like Paul's a bulldozer type of guy. But I love the fact that he struggled with sending this letter to them because he loved them so much. But did he send the letter? He sent the letter. I I, I tell you, uh, the truth is, you guys, that we can't control others' reactions. Anybody married? Can't do it. You know, if you're not married today, can I just give you a side note of advice? Um, Don't marry someone because you think you're going to be able to change them. Oh, I, but I, I can do, no. <laughs> Don't marry somebody because you think you're going to be able to change them. You can't control somebody else's reactions. People are uncertain. All around us, that's just true. And here's the second truth. Not only can, are, are their actions unknown and uncertain, here's the second thing. It's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's theirs. You know what your responsibility is? And mine? Do the right thing. Do the right thing. And leave the uncertain results to who? To who? God, yeah. We're in church. You can go ahead and say that. You know, you know, because the right answer always in preschool is always Jesus. So, um, and this is the right answer, you guys. You can't control anybody's reactions, and it's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to just do the right thing. So, when people's actions are so uncertain, and when people's reactions are so uncertain, here's the question for me. Where do we find strength? And where do we find confidence? Not to let others' actions hinder our faith and our joy. And where do we find strength and confidence to not let others' reactions keep us from doing the right thing? I I don't know about you. This is an answer I need. If you're in leadership, you need this answer right now. So here's the answer. Number three, God's actions are guaranteed. God's actions are guaranteed. People's actions aren't. People's reactions aren't. God's actions are. Let me read for you again, starting with verse 18. We're going to go through 22. Paul starts off and he says this, As surely as God is faithful, 
Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God's actions are guaranteed. You guys, scripture from beginning to end says this one thing. God is faithful. God is faithful. Would you guys just say that with me? Let's all say it together. Right here we go. God is faithful. Now, we can say that, we can think that, but I'm telling you this right now. I challenge you to believe it. I challenge you to believe it. I, I know one of the biggest struggles as a follower of Jesus Christ is to actually believe that that's true. You know why? Because God's ways are not our ways. You want someone who's uncertain? Follow God. What he does and how he does things is so holy and so pure and so perfect that when he starts to move, most of the time we don't get it. And then when things start happening and we don't get it, the very first thing we want to do is what? We want to doubt God. We go, what's up with you? What's going on here? And I'm telling you, it's, it's a human struggle. We will always struggle to believe that right there, that God is faithful. And so much of it, you guys, is we have to ride out the course with him. You know, I, I remember again hearing a guy share that he was playing the piano and he was playing this nice little happy tune. And then all of a sudden he hit this really wrong note and he just stopped there and he goes, now, was that wrong? Did I hit a wrong note? And everybody in the audience is like, yeah, that was horrible. And he goes, okay, well, let me try that again. And he starts playing and then he hits the wrong note and then he keeps going. And if you're a musician, what he was doing is he was going into a minor section of the piece. See, when you first hit that minor note, you go, ooh. And then he moves into this minor section and it's beautiful and it's mysterious. And then he resolves it and it comes back out. And he says, see you guys, now that's a masterpiece. He goes, if I would have kept playing, eventually you're like, oh, that's boring. But when I hit this and changed it, see, but as human beings, we live day by day. And when all of a sudden you hit that negative note, you go, oh, what's wrong with God? Why doesn't he love me? All of us have asked these questions. Why doesn't he care about me? Where is he? The Bible is full of people who knew God asking that very question. But you keep going and you hold on. Why? Because he is faithful. He is. His actions are guaranteed. Now, then Paul says this amazing thing. Verse, uh, verse 20, he says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. No matter how many promises he made, they are yes in Christ. See, that's why Jesus Christ is the absolute center of everything for us. When you start to question whether God loves you, what do you do? You go back to Christ who even though we were sinners, 
even though we were powerless and even though we were ungodly, even though we were his enemies, what did he do? He died for us. His promise to love you is absolutely secure and you can know it in Christ. His promise, I made a list of them here. His promise to forgive you of all of your sin, it's done. It's complete and it's finished. And you never have to worry about that. He says the promise to have victory over sin is yours. And how can you know that? Because Jesus Christ didn't just die for your sin. He rose again from the dead, which no one else has done so that he could live inside us and empower us to live something different. That's a promise, and it's ours now, and it's guaranteed because of what Christ has done. See, this is huge, you guys, for us. As we walk out our faith, as we walk in our conflict with people, as we walk in our own struggles, in our own uncertainty with our ability to be who we want to be, and with other people having the ability to who we want them to be, we need to always come back and say, every promise of God, though, was made certain in Christ. He died for my sin. He rose again so I could live differently. And God also promised intimate presence with him. And we're going to get into this. And he says, what? Because you know this, I have now planted my spirit inside of you. There's not a moment of any day that you are ever apart from me. And nothing can separate you from me. Romans 8 tells us. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Promises for security, for salvation, for eternal life, you guys, promises for life are all in Christ. Everything he promised. If you ever start to struggle and doubt God and who he is and what he's done, you go back to Christ and you say, look at his love and his sacrifice and his power and his resurrection. It is done, it is finished, and it's mine. His actions are guaranteed. And I'm telling you, this makes all the difference. Okay? Now, now here's, and here's the, to me, and I've shared this. If you guys have gone through the crash course, I always share this passage. Um, we talk about this because it is so awesome. Here's what it says. It says, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing what is to come. Let me just quickly share these with you because you've got to remember these things, you guys. I'm, I'm telling you, if we can make this connection today, it'll change our lives. It really will. When people around you are uncertain, this truth can make you stand firm. When you're uncertain about your own self, this is what makes you stand firm. When you're shaking in your boots because you have to make a decision and you don't know how people are going to react, this is what gives you the strength to do the right thing. What is it? Number one is it is God who makes us stand firm. Now, this is in the present tense, which means this verb, when he says he makes you stand firm, it means it's something that he did initially when you started your relationship with him and it's something he keeps doing. He makes you stand firm. He's going to continue to do that for you. Now, the actual word is a technical legal term, and it denoted a seller's guaranteeing the validity of a sale. In other words, all terms of the sale would be carried out as promised. That's what that word meant. And you can know that that's true. And you guys, God is guaranteeing to you and to me that he will make us stand firm. Now, any of you ever fallen? Any of you, have you ever screwed up like really bad? Oh yeah. oh yeah, down here in the front. Yes. 
Now, I want to tell you, if your faith and your eternal security in God relied on you being able to stand firm, how y'all doing? I mean, if you want to shake in your boots, rely on your ability to stand firm and to be good enough. But what God is saying is this, it's not you, it's me. I'm the one who makes you stand firm because I sent Jesus Christ for you to die for all of your sins. And they're completely taken care of. You're completely justified. Now you can stand strong. And when you do fall, what can you do? You can get back up. Because if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come on, don't lay in your junk. Get up and receive what's yours and go. And some of you, maybe today, what you need to do is just say, wait, man, I was so trusting in myself again and I've, I've screwed up again and you're just beating yourself up and what you need to do is stop looking at yourself because you're uncertain. Or maybe somebody else has hurt you again and they've fallen short again and they've let you down again. And you're just ready to give up. And I tell you, get your eyes off them. Get your eyes off yourself. And get your eyes back on God. Because God is the one who says, I'm the one who makes you stand firm. Yes, this life is uncertain and it's messy and it's screwy. But I'm here and I'm solid. And if you ever doubt that, you go back to Christ. Who died for you and who rose again. And that's how you stand firm. And that's what it is, you guys. I came up with this phrase. It might be kind of cheesy, but I just thought when other people rock your world, God is your rock. When other people rock your world, God is your rock. And that's it right there. I think that's what Paul is saying in this passage. He's the one who makes you stand firm. The second thing he said is, and he anointed you. Now this is past tense. It means it's something, it happened. And if you're anointed, what that means is he means he sets you apart and that you now are actually consecrated, which I know we don't use that word, but that's what consecrate means. It means that when you accepted Christ into your life, he sets you aside. And what he set you aside for was always, it's always means to commission you for his purpose. And that's something that you can know. I'm telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, he, the Bible tells us that he anointed you. That means he says, you now, and we're going to get to this, you now belong to me and I have a purpose for you. Now, I'm going to tell you, are people trying to thwart our purposes? I mean, again, sometimes we try to thwart our own. Sometimes it's our own stuff, but you guys, sometimes it's other people who want to thwart the purposes that God has for your life. Now, can I ask you this? Do you really think that can happen? Do you really think that can happen? I'll just answer this for you. Yes, you do. And so do I. It's why we get anxious. It's why we get fearful. It's why we wonder what's going to happen in the future. Because again, we have got to big back to the fact that it is God who made us stand firm. It is God who anointed us. And now you belong to me for my purposes. And all you and I have to do is just stay close to God. And if we'll just walk with him and keep with him, no matter what anybody else does, they can't thwart God. In fact, that's our theme verse. I haven't shared this here in a long time on a Sunday morning. I shared it in other places, but our theme verse as a church was Acts 5, 38 and 39, where the Israelites wanted to destroy this brand new church. And one of their own people stood up in front of their men. And he said, come on, you guys, we've seen this happen before. 
and revolts rise up and they fall down. So he says, in this present case, I advise you to leave these men alone. Because if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. But if it's of God, you won't be able to stop these men because you find yourselves fighting against God. See, so here's the question for you. What's the origin of your purpose or activity? See, if you've been anointed, that means you have been set apart and now God has your life. And I want to tell you right now, when you were created, he says, I knew the plans I had for you. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. All the days written for you were written in my book before one of them came to be. And when you received Christ and you surrendered your life to him, you know what happens? God starts working out his purpose in your life. And who's going to stop that? Nobody. No, nobody. So we hold on to that because he is the reason. So he, he makes us stand firm in Christ. He anoints us. The next thing he says is he set his seal of ownership on us. He set his seal of ownership on us. So again, you guys, what, what the, this term again is a legal term and it means the claiming of property as belonging to a rightful owner. The claiming of property as belonging to a rightful owner. So basically what God is saying to you and me is you're mine. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. What God is saying to every single one of us is you're mine. And the price to make you mine was the very life of his son. So you guys, so again, how does this help me? So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about my life, right? And everything around you can look like it's going to crumble. Everything can seem really uncertain. You look at yourself in the mirror and you know your own weaknesses and you know you could fall any minute. Everything is like that. And then you come to this point and you say, but you know what? I stinking belong to God. He owns me. And he has set his seal of ownership on me. I, don't, I can't believe I forgot to bring it today. I actually have a little handle when I was in Israel back in 91. If you go, you can, uh, there's little mounds all over Israel. When you drive around, you'll see these hills out in the middle of nowhere. They're actually cities that haven't been excavated yet. And we went to one, and we walk on them. And the law in Israel is you can't dig because those are left for the archaeologists. But you can, if you see anything on the mound, you can pick it up. Well, we were there, and we actually found, it was actually the, the city of Jezebel's palace. I mean, it's a pretty cool place. And we found a, a handle of a pot, you know, pre-Jesus, period of time. And on the handle, you will see a thumbprint in the handle on that pot. See, because when I made a pot and I wanted everybody to know it was mine, I put my thumbprint on it. That was a seal. It's mine. Oh, you guys. When people are falling apart, when you're falling apart, I need to know I belong to God and I'm His. And how do I know that? Because again, of Christ, every promise was in Christ. He says, if you believe in me and you receive me, you become my child. And here's the last thing he says. He says, and he deposited his spirit, guaranteeing what is to come. He deposited his spirit in us, guaranteeing what is to come. Again, another financial term. It meant the first installment or a down payment. God's promise is to pay in full what he's already begun. And you guys, 
this is what I need. In this world that you and I live in that's so uncertain, um, it's so uncertain, isn't it, Tom? Loss of life, loss of health, loss of relationship. This is our world. What are we going to do? I need to know that there's something certain. I need to know that there's something solid. I need to know he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. I need to know he's going to fulfill his promises for me. I know need to know he's going to have his plans for me, and I'm going to hold on to him. And even if I'm unfaithful, the scripture says, he's faithful. And we need to know that. It makes all the difference. So here's the deal, you guys. When someone's actions aren't guaranteed, okay, which they aren't, you've got to make sure that your hope is not in them. And I want you to think about that today. Is your hope right now in a person? Because if it is, that's a really scary predicament. My security is not in what they do or what they don't do. My identity or my value is not determined by them. And my faith is not dependent on flawed human beings. And you guys, you need to think about that today. Are you depending on somebody? Have you put them on a pedestal, as we're going to hear in just a moment? Have you set somebody so up that your actual security is based on theirs? Because if it is and they fall, you're in trouble. So don't do that. And then the second thing, when someone's reactions aren't guaranteed, when I know this, you guys, I can still risk doing the right thing because God is faithful. And even if they react in a way that's not what I was hoping for, that's their responsibility, not mine. It's God's responsibility, actually, ultimately, to fulfill his purpose. I will not live my life based on the fickleness of others, and I will live in the solid foundation of God and his ways. And so, band, you guys can come, come on, on the stage. And uh, here's, the, here's the conclusion. Here's what I want you to think about while we, while we listen to this song. Is there someone that you're holding too high that if they fell or don't come through, it could ruin you? Is there somebody whose actions you're depending on for your own security, for your own joy, and even for your own faith? And if there is, you're holding them too high. That's not their job. Okay? Second thing, is there someone who you're holding too high that their opinion or acceptance hinders you from doing the right thing? Are you in a situation right now where you know there's something you're supposed to do, but the opinion of that person or how they're going to react to you, you've you've got them so high that they're stopping you from living the life you're really supposed to live. Um, During this song, here's your chance to kind of just, I would say, make it prayerful as Julie sings. And let God speak to you. See if he feel, reveals someone. Put someone in your mind while she's singing. And if she does, if he does, I'm sorry, while she's singing, then I would say just even prayerfully right now say, okay, God, help me. Help me get him off the pedestal. You're the only one who should really be there. You're the only certain thing in this really uncertain world. So let's listen to the song together.